is. It can't be. It is. It can't be. That was out of bounds. 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 As Shields goes. Boy. Oh, boy. Vickery and Ruffin. Ruffin and Vickery. Who's quicker? Who's better? Who can run away from who? Righto, guys. Welcome back to the Weekly Bob. It's the AFL show. The boys are on. I'm on. We're all ready to go. Um, we've got a big episode to um, obviously get some information going. Um, for all you guys over there listening to, um, to the podcast uh, this week, uh, the boys have got a lot to chat about. So um, we might as well dive into it. But before we do, um, gents, how are we? How's the week been? Um, how's things? Good, Brownie. Yeah, the week's uh, been a bit hectic actually this week up, up here in Darwin for me, but um, we're getting there. Um, bit of footy to, yeah, talk about this week and, and obviously the game's kicking off on Friday. It's a big weekend of footy coming up. Lots of talking points from the weekend just gone as well. Big time. Yeah, same, Brownie. Been a busy week uh, for both of us up here, so I think we complained a lot about the heat last week but it's uh flicked the switch and we've had some uh lovely weather up here lately which has been nice oh that's good it's not as uh it's actually not too bad down here in brizzy it's um it's good weather but obviously we're not here to chat about the weather we are here to chat about the game that is afl so uh first off first um before we jumped onto the podcast jumped on air nath you had um a couple of things to talk about in regards to St Kilda, um, are you, there's a couple of points that you wanted to put to Jack and have a bit of a discussion about, mate. So I'll open the floor up for you to have your have your chat, get it out, out of the way and done with. Um, boys, it's it's um, it's all you. Take it away. Yeah, thanks, Brownie. Obviously, um, St Kilda-Richmond was a Thursday night game last week and uh, I was really looking forward to it. I thought it was going to be a good game, good, good way to see where these two guys are coming from, though. Probably, you know, both not going the best, but I thought it was going to be a close game. And then, obviously, after about quarter time, Richmond just ran away with it and got up by 86 points, which is just absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion. And I've just got a few stats that just show, one, how good Richmond are, I guess. Or I'm not sure. I have to – I want to talk to you, Jack, if you think that that 86 points was – how good Richmond were, or do you think it was how bad St Kilda were? Yeah, well, I think it's um, a bit of a bit more of a reflection on St Kilda, St Kilda, than it is on Richmond. So, uh, without talking too much about Richmond, we're going to find out a hell of a lot about their credentials, uh, their premiership defence in the next couple of weeks. They've got the two undefeated teams in. Uh, the Dogs and Melbourne coming up in the next three weeks. So, um, yeah, I think it, it spoke more in volume to how bad St Kilda are. And there was – forget if you take out last week's uh, round four's win against West Coast where they came from the clouds and they were – at three-quarter time, they really were in no position to win that game and it's one of – it's a great comeback. But if you take that – that game out and you look at the Richmond game and uh, the round three game where they versed Essendon, those two games, they lost to Essendon by 75 points and they lost to Richmond by 86 points. They're in strife. They're a club that, uh, they look, they were finished, I think it was fifth or sixth last year without looking at my notes. Um, you know, that they were around the mark, but they just, that they're a club that's lost. I think Paddy Ryder uh, not being there in the ruck is is killing them. Um, but even without Paddy Ryder, on the weekend against Richmond in the second half, I mean, at half time they were, you know, they, they were four goals down. They were 24 points, 25 points down, I think they were at half time. In the second half, they had 11 inside 50s for the two quarters. I mean, you just don't win games of footy. You, or if you roughly convert and the, the AFL average is 55%, so say one out of every two entries, if you're only going in 11 times in the second half, you're having somewhere between five and six shots on goal. That's not going to win you many games of footy, regardless of who you play. So I think they've got some issues 
for me, I think they need to get um, Paddy Ryder back. They've got a couple of injuries. Jaron uh, Geary, who's their captain, is out injured. Um, but yeah, I just I just think that they were really bad, and this week um, it doesn't get any easier for them. Unfortunately, they travel to the Adelaide Oval to take on a red hot Port Adelaide, so they're in a bit of strife. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And you touched on Paddy Ryder, and I think that's a massive out for them. It's not going to fix all their problems, but for a team that's um, so good, they're obviously very good going forward. They showed that in the last quarter against West Coast. It's their defensive work they're struggling with. But against Richmond, they lost the hitouts 44 to 28. Obviously, Paddy Ryder's not there, and for a side that needs hands on the ball first, it's obviously going to hurt them, and it showed on the weekend. They also went at 39% for their inside 50s. They lost the disposals by 36, and they also managed to lose the tackles by 14. If you're losing the disposal count, you have less of the footy. I'd know how you're losing the tackles by that much. It's just they're yeah, in. It's a good point. It, it, it speaks to a lack of effort, I think. Um, and, look, you know, that could be a range of factors, but the statistics at the end of the day are what they are, and that's what people analyse the game on. And I think that those statistics really speak to um, a lack of effort because it doesn't tackling as much as there is a, a you know a bit of a skill if you like in not going high and not legging people tackling's an effort thing it's not you don't need to have beautiful skills as in you know if you you've got great ball users by foot or by hand that's a really useful skill but tack- tackling is an effort thing. If you're not tackling, that is not because you're not skilled enough. It's because you're not running hard enough to get around the contest. And when the ball's turned over or when the opposition's got the ball, the mentality is, oh, well, I'll just go a man up the closest player instead of, you know, you can see it in the good sides and Richmond of the last four or five years, it is manic. that, that What they work on is that tackling and that pressure and that implied pressure because they just bring the heat and they just swarm teams when they're on and then players start to fumble with the ball and they second-guess their decision-making and they turn the ball over more. St Kilda don't have any of that. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think probably one player that when they get him back will help with that is Zach Jones. He's massive for that in there. and he's Yeah, with speed. Yeah, and him with Paddy Ryder. Obviously, it's not going to fix them, but it's going to help. Where do you um? Where do you see them finishing after round twenty three? Um, well, I think they won't be in the eight. That's for sure. Uh, I, I'm going to say I think they'll be around that sort of thirteen, fourteen, fifteen mark somewhere. Uh, what about yourself? Yeah, I had them there as well. I think at some stage. Um, they'll get a run on. It's just the type of footy they play and they'll win a few, but they're not going to make the eight. They're not playing consistent enough footy, I think. They'll finish probably that 10 to 15 mark. So you had them inside your top eight before the season. I think you had them finishing in the bottom two. Um, you're, you're, you're putting a line through them. They're not going to be there? Yeah, I had them finishing seventh and I yeah, I'll write them off now for not making it, I think. Yeah, okay. I had them finishing 11th. I've just found my my lat, my full ladder. I have my top eight here, but my full ladder. I had them finishing 11th with uh, 10 wins, and, and I think they probably won't even get to that now. So another thing that I think is really we're seeing with St Kilda, they've got a they've Max King. I think is going to be a superstar, right? Like as a, as a key forward, him and his his brothers obviously at Gold Coast, and we'll, we'll talk about. Uh, those other games in a, in a second. But I think Max King's going to be a terrific key forward. But you see the difference between a guy like Oscar Allen, who plays for West Coast, and we're about to touch on the West Coast Collingwood game. The development opportunity that he's got, and he kicked five goals against the Pies on Friday night over at Optus Stadium. He dropped down back, took a couple of good marks. He laid a couple of chase down tackles. Being able to develop whilst Josh Kennedy and Jack Darling and there's some senior figures, key forwards in there, I think 
that that's another thing that's lacking at St Kilda. They don't they've got a they've got an experienced enough midfield, and they've got you know some guys that sure you know have been all Australians or have been Premiership players that have come from other clubs and things, but they don't they lack up forward when they go forward. They've got. Max King, but he's he's a couple of years off being fully developed into that key forward role. So I think that's another area that um, for Saints fans are just going to have to have to deal with for a couple of years, probably. Yeah, tough pill for Saints fans to swallow. I think last couple of weeks, obviously finishing fifth or sixth last year, they thought they were primed for a big year in a finals tilt, and um, five rounds in, it's going pretty pear shaped. Yeah. We'll move on to the Friday night game. So that was yeah, as we just touched on the West Coast uh, uh, Collingwood game. So Nathan, I'll get your thoughts on on that first. The game, uh, what you thought of it, what what was good, what was bad. Um, well, this is the first uh, full game of West Coast I've watched in a while, um, and the one thing that struck me, especially with the new rules this year, is how slow they go. In that back 50, they just go back and forth, back and forth, and then they pick their moment. When they see the defence uh, is out of line, they go and they go quick. And that works really well for them with those three big pillars up there, as you said, Oscar Allen kicking five. Um, but, yeah, Pies had a good start, won the first quarter. Um, and then, yeah, obviously West Coast overran them. Um, wasn't overly convincing by West Coast. Wasn't great game by Collingwood either, so... Um, at the end of the day, yeah, it was a bit of a anti-climax, I thought. It looked like it was going to be a good finish and then West Coast kicked away. So I thought yes, Collingwood were up at quarter time and uh, my tips, I had West Coast 40-plus. So I thought they were going to demolish the pies over there. To Collingwood's credit, they, they tried something different Um Grundy pushed hard forward in the first quarter. Darcy Moore started up forward. One thing that I didn't like, and Collingwood kicked five goals in the first quarter and went in uh, at quarter time two goals up or a bit over two goals up. They then only kicked two goals three in the next two quarters of footy. And obviously in that time, uh, Jeremy Howe and Jordan Dugowie both went off injured. Um, I just, for the life of me watching, I could not understand why Darcy Moore was kept up forward. And so I know that I know that the talk previously had been, you know, we want to try and have a different look and we want to change things up. And so Darcy Moore goes forward and look, it worked. He kicked the goal in the first quarter. Yep, looked good. As soon as you lose a player like Jeremy Howe, who's a key back, he's, he plays as a key back even though he's undersized. I just thought Darcy Moore's an all-Australian all centre-half back last year. You can't leave him up forward when you've got uh, Oscar Allen kicked five, Jack Darling ended up kicking five. I don't, I'm not 100% sure if how many Kennedy ended up kicking, but they just had to make the switch. I mean, you know, God love Braden Maynard and he tries his heart out, but at times that he was playing on Jack Darling and he's giving away, I don't know, he's up to like Jack Darling's shoulder, you know, and he's trying to he's trying to go with him and on the lead, no worries, but in the air and as you said, West Coast pick their moments and, and they go, they've got those three marking tools. I just couldn't understand why Darcy Moore was kept up forward. Did you notice that during the game? Yeah, I agree with that. I didn't think um, this was the game to try Darcy Moore up forward. Uh, especially like West Coast, as you said, they've got Oscar Allen, they've got Josh Kennedy, they've got Jack Darling. Like, they're probably the tallest forward line in the AFL when you need your key backs down there. It left Jordan Ruffhead as our number one back down there. Um, and then obviously Jeremy Howe went down and everything went to a shambles. I thought if they were going to keep more there, they could potentially bring Jack Madgen, who was playing on a wing, which is just ridiculous if you ask me. But Jack Madgen played back line last year. He looked all right. Why wouldn't you pull him back? But I just, yeah, our whole back line set up looked shot. And obviously, you know, you have two boats kicking five goals out of a side, kicking 16. And I think Dom Sheed kicked three as well. So you got three boats kicking 13 to 16 goals. 
Yeah, and but your best your best centre half back, your all Australian centre half back, sitting in a goal square down the other end, who's also our best intercept mark. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. And the three goals that West Coast kicked in the first quarter all came off Collingwood errors, right? Chris Mayne was chased down in the pocket by Oscar Allen in, in the back pocket. He snaps around the corner and kicks a goal. Jack Crisp tries to bite off a kick into the middle uh, to hit John Noble. It's marked goal. Chris Mayne again goes to handball, handball straight to a West Coast player at the defensive 50 and they go in and kick a goal. If Collingwood hadn't have done that, they would have gone in potentially five goals up at quarter time and it could have been a different story. But they killed themselves and then when things weren't, when things changed, I didn't feel that the coaching was reactive enough. I know they were trying to be proactive, which I've said a couple of times, but you've also got to react to what's happening in the game as it's unfolding. You can't just sit on your heels and, and well, we're going to go with this and that's it, which leads me to my next point. Do you think Nathan Buckley will be coaching Collingwood in 2022? My- you said no last time, last episode, didn't you, Jack? You said that he wasn't. Well, I said no, but we didn't get Nathan's take on it. All oh, right. My my gut says no. Um, my heart still wants him to go, provided he still has the um, support of the playing group. But it's just a big – it's going to be a big few weeks for Bucks and for the footy club. If they can get out of the season and finish – you know, between seven and ten, then I think he's there next year. Well, I don't, I don't see them finishing in that range at, at this point in time. But you know, there was comments made on on uh, Fox Footy this week by Bucks when he was interviewed, and he said he doesn't have any desperation, as in desperation to reach out for a contract for next year. He's focused on what's in front of him. But, I mean, it just seems – it just has been, and we spoke a little bit about it last week, so we won't ramble on this too long, but it's everything that could have gone wrong from the start of the off-season to now has gone wrong for Collingwood. They had a horrible off-season, and I don't care what anybody says about, you know – Oh, they got rid of salary cap. They were clearing space up for somebody. There's there's rumours that they've got the nod from Zach Merritt from Essendon to come in um, this next off-season, which would be a terrific ac- acquisition if that happened. But the way that the trade period was handled this year, then the do-better report uh, around racism, Eddie Maguire gets sacked, the start to the year is underwhelming. Like, as a paying member... Of that football club, I think you have every right to be disgusted in the way things have been handled and in the effort or lack thereof that's been put out, even to the point of this week, the uh, phone incident. So the two blokes, Jeremy Howe and Jordan Ngoi, that went off injured, went and got their phones. Now, for those that aren't aware, there's a protocol around players not being able to use their phones during match times. Again, it's around match fixing and, and betting and things. And the comments that Nathan Buckley was asked about about the incident on uh, AFL 360 on Fox Footy, the excuses that he gave, I thought were lackluster, to be honest. And I don't think they were good enough. The prize were fined twenty grand, and there was no suspensions, luckily. But do you think that a twenty thousand dollar fine is is uh, to, for the club, is significant enough for a breach like that? I, I think it's fair in what it is, the 20K. I also saw, I think it was Scott Pendlebury came out and said that uh, the operations manager, which is Nick Maxwell, wasn't able to travel to WA because he'd been in Brisbane around the same time as the COVID thing, so he wasn't able to travel. And he's normally the one that locks the case. So obviously that had been passed on to someone else. And it hadn't happened. So if that was the case and that's what was communicated to the AFL, then I'm okay with that being 20K. It was proven that the players only text their families to let them know the extents of their injuries. I think it's it's a reminder to everyone in the AFL 
Like 20K is not a small fine and the club said they're not passing it on to the players. But I'm not sure what what would you think would be a fair fine because you obviously don't think well, it's fair. Well, look, the, the fine, the fine I, I'm, I'm fine with the fine. <laughs> um, but those players, right, and you yeah, – Okay, Nick Maxwell didn't travel over there and he spoke, he's the one that locks the box, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Those players know, right? So any anybody that has been in a state um, league competition, so I'm talking developmental programs, so uh, like Territory Thunder, you know, Nationals, Vic Metro, Queensland, all, when they play the underage championships, when you go down at the start of the under 16s, which is when the um, scouts come and start watching games, every state and territory is spoken to by different people. Okay, AFL Players Association, blah blah. If you get drafted, if you're lucky enough to get drafted, we we do this, we provide this, blah blah. And you're spoken to about rules around match betting. Okay, and it's, that's where it starts because they don't want the integrity of the game to be compromised. So that, these players know it. Jeremy Howe is on the leadership group at Collingwood. Now, the, the excuse that was offered up was uh, Jordan DeGoe was concussed, so he wasn't thinking straight. Okay, fair enough. Potentially, yes, that's what happened. But Jeremy Howe is, is, on the le- is in the leadership group. He should have said, hey, mate, we can't do that, okay? And I know that it was proven that they only contacted their families, but there's people in the club that can do that for them, yeah? They don't have to do that during the game. I mean... For- do, you, do, you, do you boys think that obviously both players didn't go back on the field, so, like, there's no way that they're going to be able to change the dynamic of the game in, in any way. Do you guys think that... Or, well, Jack, here's a question for you, mate. Obviously... It is a bit of a, a, a like it is grinding your gears a little bit here. But do you think if those players went back on the field, do you think that the fine should have been more? Do you think that that player should have been suspended? How, how do you see it? Because they, they, like like I said, neither of those players went back on the field, so they can't fix the game. But is is it is it kind of like the AFLs? It's like a minimum twenty grand kind of fine, or is it like? This is a, it's like a warning side of th- side of things. Like, you know, that's that's where I'm seeing it as. I, like, I don't mind it. I think twenty grand's all right. And obviously, yeah, Collingwood are footing the bill for it. But neither of those players went back onto the field, so yeah, they can't so fix the game. It, it's more around uh, the the match fixing component. There is not more around um, th- them impacting the game so much. It's more about them having. They're still involved in the huddles. They're still, they're sitting on the bench. They're hearing the information in real time. And I'm not saying that this happened, but I'm saying there's the potential and there's the perceived intention could have been we're going to put, for example, we're going to put um, Brody Grundy is going to start in the in the goal square at full forward in the third quarter. Okay, so that's communicated to the group at halftime. Those players are off. They get on the phone, hey, whoever, whatever, betting thing, put a thousand bucks on Brody Grundy to kick the first goal of the third quarter. Now, normally, some people might have that bet because he's a ruckman and he does push down, but it wouldn't be your first choice normally. You go for a forward. So, and that has happened in the past, and it's happened at Collingwood in the past, in 2010, in the grand final. Uh, Tyson Goldsack kicked the first goal of the grand final. That was different, though. Yeah, but it's the same principle, and it doesn't look good. And look, I'm a member of Collingwood. Okay, I pay my membership, but I'm I'm over the way the club's been run at the moment. And it was only last year, uh, last year or the year before that Jaden Stevenson, who now plays for North Melbourne, was suspended for 11 games for betting, for yeah. match fixing. Like yeah. it's, it is – the club's got a reputation, like it or not, it's happened in the past. Just don't, just don't put yourself in a position where anybody can even raise a question about it. That's what I don't understand. And when you've got a senior member of the team who was involved um, in mentoring – Stevenson, when all that 
when all that went down a couple of years ago with the betting. Okay, Jeremy Howe was one of the ones that actually pulled him aside and said, all right, mate, you know, you're stuffed up. You're going to serve your sentence and get on with it. You're a leader. Stand up. Hey, we can't do that. You know, if you're on, you're on telly anyway, your family's going to see that you're fine or you can get a, a – uh, I'm sure a medical official from the club or somebody could have contacted your family. Contacted your family, yeah. The right is fine, well, but I just think if they had have gone back out, like what you like, what your original question is, they absolutely absolutely should have been suspended because that is it sends even without it having happened the match fixing it sends a clear message. This is we're not standing for this. If it happens, this is what you're going to be facing minimum done. Yep. Right. Well, we'll leave the um, the Pies game there and we'll move on to the next one uh, from last week. We had the Saturday game. We had the Bulldogs taking on the Suns. Um, Bulldogs convincingly getting over the Suns. Um, I know that obviously uh, the Dogs and Melbourne are both the undefeated teams in the league so far. Um, and we'll get to, on to Melbourne's game in a second. Uh, but I had a question for you boys. Where, where and what are those two teams doing right to be sitting where they are at the moment? So... I'm not too sure where you boys had Melbourne in your top. I don't even know if you guys had Melbourne in your top eight there. I don't know where you had the Dogs um, sitting in your top eight as well. But obviously, are you guys impressed with the way that those two teams have started the season? Has it been a you know looking back at their at their you know the first five games of the season? Do you think that they've had it easy? Do you think they've had it hard? Do you think it's going to be a good mix? And where do you kind of see them going? Where do you think that you know uh, their first loss is going to come from if it does come along? Um, I definitely didn't have Melbourne starting this well. Um, but look, I've always had the potential. Like, they made that prelim in 2018. Um, they've still got that core group of players from there. It's just the inconsistencies over the last few years that have really let them down. And this year they looked to have it figured out five rounds in. They're playing good footy. They've still got their big uh, summer inclusion to come in. Ben Brown, I think he might be playing this weekend. Um, I think that only strengthens their side, but yeah, I had I definitely didn't think that Melbourne were going to be five and zero come round five. So, what do you think they're doing right? Like, like what's what's working for them? Their midfield group, where you got Petraka, Clayton Oliver. Um, <coughs> who else have I got in there? Uh, but that midfield group that they've got in those two boys, at least, they're finally starting to mature and they're playing consistent footy over more than one or two rounds here and there. I think Petraka is an absolute jet of the competition. Um, Christian Salem, that's the other one. And they're just getting their hands to the ball. Max Gorn, obviously one of the best rucks in the competition. That core group that they've got in the middle there, I think you look at the Bulldogs as well with the midfield group that they have. It's the basis for you know, a good side. Obviously, you get your hands on the footy first, you go into your forward 50 first. And those two sides, I don't know the stats, but I'd imagine that they're probably up there in clearances. Yeah, so I think with Melbourne, I didn't have them finishing inside the top eight. So we'll talk about Melbourne first and we'll move on to the Dogs. Um, I didn't have them finishing in the top eight, but you're absolutely right, Nathan. They've got a good – they've always had a good midfield group, as in in the last three or four years. but And they've got probably the best, if not – one of the two or three best ruckmen in the comp in Max Gorn, giving them first service. The thing that I've noticed, and this goes for both teams, Melbourne and the Bulldogs, is speed of ball movement. Going forward, it is they're not unlike um, a couple of other sides who lack uh, lack real key targets up front. With Melbourne and the Dogs, they just pull the trigger, get the ball in there, weight of numbers, um, and their midfielders run hard both ways and get involved in the play and and kick a few goals from them, with the Dogs especially. We've seen that with um, Talor, Bontempelli, Dunkley, especially out of the Dogs midfield group. They generally push forward those three and, and between them kick a couple of goals. I think Talor kicked three by himself on the weekend. So... Um, as for have they had an easy run, Melbourne have had a little bit of an easy run, I believe, uh, to start the season. So they've versed Fremantle. Obviously, they've won all of these. So they've versed Fremantle. They've versed St Kilda, which we spoke about at the start of the show. They had a good win against the Giants in Canberra um, in some pretty 
um, horrid conditions, but the Giants stayed with them up until the last quarter. They only really kicked away in the last quarter and a bit. They beat Geelong, who we're going to get on to, but I think Geelong are uh, on the way down. And they, they belted Hawthorne, who I had Hawthorne finishing in my bottom four anyway. So we'll find out a lot more about Melbourne's credentials this week. They play Richmond at the G. That's a massive game, the reigning premiers. Um, and then after that, they've also got coming up the Swans, who are obviously doing pretty well. Um, and they've got Adelaide in Adelaide. And then in round 11, the Dogs and Melbourne play each other. So Melbourne have had a bit of an easier run. I think that I'm tipping them to lose this week against Richmond. Uh, but they're very well. That I mean, they play North Melbourne the week after, so they'll win that. You know, there's a real chance by the time they get to round 11, they might be 9-2, and two, nine, 9 and 1. Uh, sorry, 10-1 and one or 9-2, and two, which means you're definitely going to play finals. So, yeah, uh, with the Dogs, though, I had the Dogs finishing in my top uh, top eight. I think I had them finishing sixth, um, but equal on equal on wins. It was all about percentage, so equal in the top four with wins. So I, I thought they had, based purely on their midfield group, they had they've got the best midfield in the comp. Okay, that's um, and again, like Nathan said, I, we don't know the statistics one hundred percent around there clearance numbers and whatever, but I think getting Stefan Martin across from Brisbane, he's freed up Tim English to go forward. My concern with the Dogs before the season started was their lack of a key forward. They've got Josh Bruce, they've got Aaron Norton up there, but they're not really big key marking forwards. They're more versatile on the run sort of um, forwards, if you like. They're not like a Tom Hawkins, you know, one out in the goal square sort of um, forwards, but with Tim English going forward, he's provided a really good option for them. Their midfield, as I said, push forward, kick goals. They've still got the number one draft pick, Jamara Eugle Hagen, who's a who's a key forward to come in and and add to their depth up there. They average the most goals per game out of any side. So when you do that, that's going to put you in good stead to win a lot of games. And they, on the other hand, I think are the real deal to Melbourne because they have had a few hard games. They've versed – they beat West Coast, um, who, who we spoke about at length before. They obviously absolutely belted the pants off North Melbourne and they beat Brisbane, who, um, you know, were, were, have been a top two side the last couple of years. So they've been good, but in saying that, they've got a couple of challenges coming up as well. They play Richmond next round and they play Port Adelaide in round nine. So – in Adelaide, so I think we'll know a bit more when they play those those teams that are uh, have been. You know, Port finished top of the ladder last year. Richmond, obviously, the premiers. We'll find out a bit more about where they rank when they play those really, really top of the ladder sides. Yeah, mate. Right, well, we'll move, we'll move on to the next game. Um, one of the obviously last week they were undefeated. Um, up until this game. So, you know, Sydney taking on Greater Western Sydney, uh, the Battle of the Bridge, as you like to call it, Jack. Um, the Swans going down by two points. I think the Giants just held on in that game. Uh, Swans did come home pretty uh, odd. No, it was the other way around, wasn't it? Giants come home pretty strong that way. So um, is that in a, in a bit of a nutshell so we can move on to the next one because I know you boys want to get onto that one. Um where do you see that, like you know, with Sydney and how that how that kind of played out for them? Obviously, they they probably should have come away with that win. Um, how, what's that do to their credentials, you know, going forward? I think it's I think oh, if I'm a Sydney uh, Swans supporter or a uh, Swans member, you never want to lose to your crosstown rival, let alone your smaller brother, okay? But uh, or your, your younger brother in the in the Giants, but um. It's just it's it's what happens with young sides. Okay, and the Swans, for as good as they've been through the first four or five weeks of the season, I said it a couple of weeks ago when they beat um, Adelaide or when they beat Richmond, one of those either round two or round three. They're a young side. I still I fully am not expecting them to finish in the top four. 
okay, what happens with young sides? They're, they're kids. They've got seven kids that have played uh, less than 50 games of footy in, their, in that core group that's playing every week at the moment. They're G'd up the start of the season. You know, they're, they're running. They're, they're keen. You know, they're passionate. They're, they're up and about. They're flowing. Yep, they lost a close game, but the, the hard part is backing that up every week, week in, week out for 23 rounds when you're having to travel every second week. Now, um, Buddy Franklin's out for a couple of weeks. Um, did you think Did you think that dip was going to be so early, though? I don't. I think it's. Uh, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it a dip necessarily. I think it's just. It's. It's that young. It was a close game, and experienced teams and um, GWS are a relatively young um, side as well. But they've GWS have played finals in the last couple of years, so they've got that experience in in hard tight, low-scoring games, and I think that came to the fore and got them across the line. So, yeah, if I'm a Swan supporter, I'm not concerned. It's just what happens with young teams. They'll still win, a, they'll still win you know, quite a few games this year. They'll go in as favourites and they'll come out and win and more than likely probably play finals, I think, at this stage. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's just about gaining. And that game, even though it's a close loss, they'll get invaluable experience from, you know, that they would have reviewed it and they would have said, you know, these are things when it's tight, less than a goal with five minutes to go, things that we need to look at and, and change on the fly, which they wouldn't have had the opportunity to do before because they haven't been in that position. Yep. Um, Nath, what do you think about the loss of Buddy Franklin? Do you think it's going to affect them much? Yeah, I think it will. I think you look on the weekend, um, Logan McDonald, who's our other big forward target up there, first it's his first year in the AFL. Um, he had six touches, didn't take a mark. Um, a couple of weeks ago, he was kicking, you know, two or three a game. Had a really bright start in his first few rounds. It's his first season. He's going to have, like Jack said, young side. They're going to have their dips. Um, yeah, but with Buddy going out, it's. You know, a lot of pressure goes back on him, on those young fellas, on Papali. You know, the best defender now probably goes to Logan McDonald, the biggest defender, which means Papali is going to have to kick him. Mills is going to have to kick him. Um, I think it'll be big on him. But like Jack said, they're a young side. GWS aren't as bad as everyone said they were in round three. I think at the start of season, everyone gets into these, you know, you've lost two games, you're the worst side in the last 20 years type of thing. GWS aren't that bad. Um and they're going to, like, GWS are going to win a lot of games this year as well. I don't think they'll make the finals, but I actually think GWS and Sydney are probably not too far off each other. I'd still have Sydney above them, but I don't think they're too far off each other in terms of where they both are in their rebuilds. The other thing is with uh, with a young side like Sydney that's got a lot of new players, they they study every – they've got the opportunity over the off-season to study everybody else. So, like, Richmond, when they came out – and that was an amazing game when they beat Richmond at the MCG. But Richmond have played that way for four years. They've had the same personnel for three or four years. Sydney being a new side, they can study that. They can find out what's what, what Richmond are going to do. Now that we've seen the Swans play four, five this week, six games, teams are going to be going, that's what they're doing. This is what that, you know, that bloke is, is the link. If we go to him and we... We shut him down. Their ball movement going forward is going to be disrupted. So it's going to be a test for a young side moving forward as teams around the comp because they put a lot of hours into analysing this stuff, um, how they respond going forward because teams will start to work out their game plan and what works and what doesn't for them. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, you did. You touched on – you said one word there, rebuild. Uh, Carlton, obviously the next game they took on uh, Port Adelaide last weekend. They went down by 28 points. Uh, what was the score there? 96 to 68. Like I said, rebuild. They've been in a bit of a rebuild phase. When do you think, um, you know, it comes to an end? When do you think does everything come together? Well, you know, where where, where, are, where are the Blues at with that? i got no idea. They've been in a rebuild for about 20 years now, so – um, I'm I'm really concerned about Carlton. They kicked nine goals from 57 inside 50s on the weekend. That's terrible. But the thing, the worst thing is this rebuild. I think Jack even tipped them to beat Port Adelaide on the weekend. We won't forget that because he's doing terribly in the tipping comp. Um, 
But the most worrying stat for Carlton is this year they've told their members, you know, we're coming, we're coming. This is going to be the year, you know, we, we're going to make finals. They've really hopped it up. They've had 13 top 30 picks between 2012 and 2018, which has been their big rebuilding years. So out of those 13 top 30 picks, only four of them played on the weekend. Where's where's the rest of their rebuild? They've taken, you know, what's that, nine other players in six years and they're only playing four of them. You can't be saying you're having a rebuild and then not promoting your, your youth. And you see this year and even last year, they've gone away from their draft and they're bringing in their Adam Sards, their Zach Williams. I, I genuinely have no idea where Carlton are and where it ends for them. I think Carlton, um, well, I, look, you're, you're absolutely right with the draft pick thing, but, um, you know, they've got a couple of players and, and uh, you know, Mark Murphy's been singled out in the media this week. He's a legend of that club. He's a terrific player of the game of AFL. But at the moment, it looks like he's a step off the pace. Um, he's getting pushed around a little bit at stoppages. He's not, you know, winning as much of the footy as as he probably was. And I think, I, I don't know, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the year, I believe Paddy Cripps is a free agent, yeah. albeit restricted. Um, I would not be surprised if he was to leave that club. Um, He's killing and, himself know, for them. Hey, he's killing himself for them, eh? Apparently, he's carrying an injury. He's been carrying an injury since he was about twenty-two years after he got drafted, because he's carrying that whole team on his back. If I was Paddy Cripps and Carlton don't make finals this year and don't show any improvements, I'd be going back to WA and trying to get a Guernsey with Frio or West Coast. Yeah, and I think well, I actually think that Sam Walsh, who was drafted only what two two or three years ago has actually gone past Paddy Cripps in terms of if, if I'm a coach, I am going, you know, we need to shut Sam Walsh down, let Patrick Cripps get the ball because he's not damaging with it. Same with Murphy. So their midfield, even Saad and, and William, well, Williams is a good user of the footy, but Adam Saad is not that great of a user of the ball. He, he's, he's damaging because he breaks lines and he, he's got speed and he breaks – you know, gives that separation and that penetration through the through the different lines of the opposition. But in terms of using the ball by foot, they just don't have anybody that's really elite to link their forwards because they've got some good forwards. Harry Mackay, I think, has the potential to be a very good key forward, but he's not getting the delivery coming into him. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Carlton, I had them in my top eight as well. So my top eight's looking shot at the moment. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I also, it, there's a couple of things. If they can find that link, and it might be someone on their list, it might be one of the draft picks, Nathan, that you just said that hasn't been playing, might come in and might be that link, might be that elite ball user going into their 50 that can actually hit a target and give play give their key forwards an easy shot. Um but they've got to try some things because what they're doing at the moment is not working. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I believe Liam Stocker, who's got big raps about him, they gave up a couple of picks a few years ago to get him out of the draft. I believe he's in for this weekend. So, so if he turns out like a Sam Walsh, then they'll be uh, in a better spot. But I am still don't see him playing finals this year and they'd need a bit of improvement to get there next year, I think. Right, boys, we'll move on. <clears throat> Pardon me. We'll move on to the next game there. We've got the Lions defeating uh, the Bombers, 102 to 45, 57-point win. Um, good to see the Lions back in the winner's circle uh, from my end. <clears throat> um, do you boys have any points to kind of take away from that game? Feel like there's anything kind of, you know, important to talk about it? The only thing that I want to – well, I don't I, – look, I, I feel for Essendon fans because – God knows they all loved Joe Danaher when he was there and he was, you know, the prodigal son and then he got injured and he hardly played and there was he was going to Sydney and then he was going here and he was injured again and he ends up at Brisbane and then he ends up having played most of this year uh, or actually I think he might have played every game so far for Brisbane. But he comes out, plays his old side, has a career-high 25 disposals, kills them in the ruck, which... Uh, 
Essendon have lost their key ruckman or their first ruck in Sam Draper this year to injury so far. So it's a bit of a kick in the guts for them, you know. They go up, they see their old key forward up there, killing it, playing ruck, collecting career-high disposals, kicking a couple of goals. Um, but other than that, look, I think that was probably to be expected. I would have been surprised if many people had a tip Essendon to beat Brisbane up there. Um, Brisbane are on the way back from that from that ordinary start. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I think Brisbane are back there. All right, boys, we'll move on to the next game. Adelaide Crows uh, going down to the Dockers, um, 84-72 by 12 points. Um, like we touched on before, it seemed to be the, the, um, the probably a shock win other than the, the two Sydney games or the Sydney game really seemed to be one of those kind of shock points. Do you feel like it might be a wake-up call for Adelaide at all? Uh, again, a bit like the Sydney... Um, a bit like the Sydney thing, Adelaide are a young side. They've got a lot of youth in there. They were down by one point. So virtually, there's well, there is, there's nothing in it at three-quarter time. Freo were up by a point. And I think there might have been a bit of their mentality of, well, we're at home, we're on our home deck, you know, this is where we train, it's our ground, we'll just run over them. And um they didn't. I mean, they didn't go down by much. They went down by two goals, and and uh, in that last quarter, well, Freo could have kicked more because they kicked five points, four, four goals, five in the last quarter. Um, yeah, that, it, I think it's just reminiscent of a, of a young side. It's what similar to Sydney. You know, they'll take a lot out of that game, and they'll be better for it moving forwards. Yeah, mate. Righto. Um... Moving on to the next game, Hawks, um, obviously going down to uh, Melbourne uh, by 50 points, another big a big uh, kind of win for them. I guess the big thing for me I saw was that, that, that um, <clears throat> the, the, uh, the goal differential in that final quarter, man, that's almost, well, I just about kicked them out of the, well out of the game. I've, is that like, that's, that's pretty worrying signs for the Hawks to just kind of dip in that fourth quarter. Yeah, it is a bit. Um, I think, again, Hawthorne are another team. It seems like half the competition's rebuilding at this stage, but Hawthorne are, are a team that are rebuilding. Okay? And they, they've admitted that. Um, that that's a, It's a bad fade-out to allow eight goals to be kicked in the last quarter. But to be honest, um, Melbourne probably shouldn't have been Melbourne shouldn't have allowed themselves to be that close at three-quarter time. They should have kicked those goals earlier in the game. Um, they, they had kicked seven goals, ten. So they'd been inaccurate up until three-quarter time and they probably could have been further in front. So, you know, do you read into that? Hawthorne are rebuilding, you know, yep, they got overrun. Or do you re- read into that, geez, Melbourne probably weren't as good as what they should have been and what we are now expecting them to be given that they're – you know, one of the under one of the two undefeated sides. So, um, like I said, I think we're about to find out a lot more about Melbourne after the weekend against Richmond. Yeah, I'd, what do you think about that game, Nath? I'd agree with that, and with what you're saying about Melbourne, um, you know, keeping Hawthorne in it essentially till three quarter time. It's not the first game this year that they've kept a side in it till three quarter time. I think they did it against GWS in round three or something like yeah, that. And a lot did. of yeah, a lot of their games they haven't really blown anyone out of the water so like I said these next few weeks will be very interesting for Melbourne I think it's either gonna you know they're either gonna fly away and they're gonna be the side that we all think they are at the minute but I think it's also just as likely that they might fall back into that pack in you know the six to three range in the ladder so yeah they kept Hawthorne in it I think Hawthorne with Alistair Clarkson there they're gonna stay in a lot of games just the way they play um, but, yeah, I'd be more concerned for Melbourne coming out of that game. Right, boys, and we'll finish on the final game of round five. We had uh, the Roos, North Melbourne, going down to the Geelong Cats, 77-47 to 47 by 30 points. Now, Jack, um, you wanted to touch on a few things about the Cats. Um, you reckon they're gone? Are they gone? You know, where do you see their season going from here? Well, I just think... Um, Geelong, uh, look, they 
uh, I I had <laughs> I had them finishing top of the ladder in my preseason predictions. That's not going to happen. I'll tell you that right now. Um, that they are in a bit of strife. I think they they don't have really a, a key ruckman, and that is that's hurting them because on the weekend they got absolutely obliterated in the ruck contest by Todd Goldstein. Um, and when they come up against teams that that have a good ruckman, that's going to be the case because they don't have somebody um, that that is a true ruckman. They're sort of gap filling in there. Dangerfield's out now for however long with his ankle surgery. To me, Geelong are just they're a little bit you know they they're even the guys they brought in in the off season they're old they're an older team right. You've got Selwood. You've got Hawkins, you've got um, uh, or even Dangerfield when he's there. Um, and then the guys they brought in, Isaac Smith, you know, he's already run. He's, he's a great player, don't get me wrong, but he's won three premierships. He's not a young, sprightly 22-year-old coming in about to hit the prime of his career. He's 30, I think he might have just turned 30. Um, you know, so that they got rid of some old, you know, or, or some older guys retired in Gary Ablett, who's one of the greatest to ever play the game, and Harry Taylor last year. But I just I don't see enough youth coming through there. Um, they've got Parfit, you know, they've got Grian Myers, these guys. But Grian Myers isn't a – he's not, you know, as damaging as that because I pick it for Melbourne, who's a young uh, forward as well, who goes into the midfield and has an immediate impact. So I just think – there's a couple. If I'm a Geelong supporter, I'll be a little bit concerned that that age is catching up with them. They obviously missed their chance last year getting into a grand final, and it, it, uh, the reverse of the Melbourne Hawthorne game, where you know we were saying, is it you know Melbourne should have kicked away earlier? I think that speaks volumes too. Geelong couldn't get away from North Melbourne, who are, geez, you'd nearly say the worst team in AFL history at this stage. Um, to half time, there were six points in it. I mean, there were six goals kicked for the half, but they kept North Melbourne in it. They did eventually run, a, you know, run away and win by five goals. But um, against a, a team of kids who's, you know, North Melbourne, um, they don't even look like they're an AFL side at the moment. So I'm a little bit concerned by the Cats and and where they're at, and I think they might finally be on the on the way down, which hasn't happened for a while. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. They also shot themselves in the foot in that first half. They said it was six points in it at half time. They kicked three goals from 34 inside 50s in the first half. They cleaned that up a bit and get it to your AFL average of about 50%. They're going to be a lot further in front. They got Jeremy Cameron coming in this week. Um, so obviously you expect maybe a little bit of a, you know time to get that working with Tom Hawkins, but it's going to strengthen that forward half. I don't think they're they're as bad as that game made them look, but I also think with the inclusions they brought in this year, then finishing outside the top four is an absolutely massive story because they brought in those players to win a flag this year and they are not playing anywhere near like one of the best four teams in the comp. They don't even look like they'll make a prelim final. Right, up, boys. Well, um, we'll leave the review of round five and we'll go into the preview <laughs> of round six. Um, so get your tips ready, ready, boys. Um, we'll start off with the first game uh, on Friday night. We have uh, the Giants taking on the Dogs. I think we all three of us know which way this game's going to go. I just want to know the margin to it. Um, I've tipped the dogs and I've tipped them by, I think it was about four goals, I think. up in It's at Canberra, I believe. Yeah, it's in Canberra, yeah. Yeah, 22 points I've got them by. Yeah, I've I've gone the dogs as well and I'm going by 32. I think they'll be – they've just got too – for, for a GWS team that's got a few injuries, they've just got too much power in the midfield. They'll, they'll get it done. Yep, my tips go on the dog's way as well. Um, moving on to the Saturday night game, we have Geelong. We've just spoken about uh, uh, up against West Coast. Where do we see this one going, boys? Do we feel like the woes is going to keep going for Geelong or do we think that um, it might swing the other way? Yeah, I've, I've got West Coast getting a scalp on the road down in Geelong. 
I think they'll get up down there and they'll uh, they'll just pip along. I think it'll be a close game. Yeah, I'm going with Nathan here. I think uh, the Eagles will get up. I, I think it'll be, you know, relatively comfortable in terms of probably that three to four goal range. Oh, a bit different there. Righto, boys. Well, we'll move on to the next one. I'm going West Coast in that one as well. Uh, the Suns taking on the Swans um, Saturday as well. I'm going the Swans in this one, boys. But, yeah, thoughts on yours on the game? Yeah, I think the Swans will do it pretty comfortably. Gold Coast might show a bit of fight after how lackluster they were last week, but I think the Swans will be too good over four quarters. Yeah, I'm uh, tipping the Swans as well, but I think it'll be pretty close, that game. I think it'll be uh, one of the better games in terms of margins for the round. Yeah, boys, I'm going the Swans in that one. Um, obviously, moving on, we'll have we have the the Carlton taking on uh, the Brisbane Lions, the Blues. Can the rebuild finally click and get one over the Lions, or do you think the the Lions will easily comfortably get past this one? I've got the uh, I've got the Blues for another honourable loss. So <laughs> Lions Lions to get up there by they'll probably stay in it till three quarter time. The Blues and then Lions will kick away and then by about four or five goals. Yeah, I think the Lions will get up, but I think this will be a lot closer than what people um, probably predict as well. But hey, moving on, we've got um, probably looking at these games, maybe the game of the round, I I would say, Melbourne taking on Richmond. Um, Where do we see this one going, boys? Do we feel like, are are they going to do what um, teams in the past, obviously the last couple of games have done and, and try to shut down Dusty? Um, limit the amount of uh, like ball that he gets, or do we feel like it's going to swing the other way and Richmond are going to you know come back fighting and and uh, and pick the win up here? I think they'll try stop Dusty, but I'm still not yet convinced about Melbourne. I know that sounds stupid at five and zero, but I think Richmond will uh, run over the top of them and buy a few goals. Well, I'm going to go Melbourne. I think Melbourne will stand up. Um... And I think that midfield brigade, I hope that they go Petrarca and Dusty head-to-head because that would be absolutely terrific to watch. And, yeah, I'm going to tip Melbourne. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure. I think I've got Melbourne tipped in this one. So it'll be a deciding factor. I might come, I might be first by the end of the weekend. Nate, you just watch yourself, mate. And Jack and might get a tip back on me. might get out of the... Uh... What are you on? 19 tips or something? Oh, God. Right, we got Frio taking on the Ruse. Um, I think we all, we're all we all going to go Frio in that one. I don't think we're, we're going to see much of the Ruse getting really any wins, especially on the road. Um, moving on to the next game, we've got Hawks taking on uh, the Crows. Battle of the Birds. I've, Where do we think that one's going, boys? Adelaide? I've, well, I've actually gone Hawthorne down in Utah Stadium in Tasmania. I think Tex Walker picked up a little bit of a niggle last week and Adelaide looked terrible without him up forward as their focal point. I think Hawks will get a win down in uh, down their second home in Tassie. Yeah, I'm actually also going with Nathan on this. I think Hawthorne, they traditionally, uh, or in the past couple of years, they've played Tasmania very, very well, regardless of where they've been on the ladder. So I'm going uh, the Hawks to get one down there. Nice, I like it. I like it. It's uh oh yeah, betting's still pretty pretty marginable. Right, I'm moving on. Your boys, the the pies taking on uh, the bombers. I think your partner goes for the bombers, doesn't she, Jack? Yep, she does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How funny is that? I got the Broncos and the Eels in this household. Our two teams, and you guys, you you two have got your two teams this weekend. So, um, this is that's the um inaugural Anzac Day match, isn't it? Yeah, by taking on Essendon. So um, there you go. I know my AFL stuff, boys. That's that's the reason why I'm here. Uh, where do we see this one going? Do we see the Pies getting up here? Or we see the Bombers um, snagging one. I'm nervously tipping the Pies. Yeah, I also think it's probably a flip of the coin um, because obviously neither team's really you know tearing the tearing the world apart at the moment. But I'm going to go the Pies to get one. Uh, they've obviously been in the spotlight this week, so I think they'll come out firing. 
And to finally, um, to wrap up the round, boys, we have Port Adelaide taking on St Kilda. Um, we did speak about Saints um, at length at the start of the potty, but um, do we feel like Port Adelaide uh, have got the have got the legs in them to go? You know, obviously they're they're at home, aren't they? Yeah. So um, Port at home, yeah. Port yeah. for percentage booster. Yeah, Port comfortably. I'm I'm very concerned about where St Kilda are at at the moment, so I think Port. Port by 40 plus. No worries, boys. Well, that's the end of the potty there. Um, so that we went into some depth there, man. That was some that was some good depth. But uh, to all the guys that are and girls that are listening out there um, on, on all the platforms that we do have, thank you so much for sticking around for the potty. Um, we really do appreciate it. Uh, make sure you do jump on to anything, Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever else it might be, um, Instagram, Facebook, all the socials, everywhere you can find us. Like, share, subscribe, do what you need to do. Um, you know, to build this community and, and you know, get our, our content out there um, for us all. But um, to finish the potty boys off, anything, last words, anything you want to say? No, all good. We'll see you next week. Mate, mate, you sure will. Righto, boys, um, we'll finish it there. Take it easy, lads. Thanks, Benny.